Welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, your host for today, and it's episode 90. Can't believe how fast this is ticking along. This is the third episode in as many weeks because we had that bonus one last week. So thank you very much for everybody who's listened to that one. I hope you enjoyed those episodes covering cybersecurity and esports too. Really completely different uh, subjects, but both, I think, very interesting ones. And we're going to continue that theme today, talking about how our technology can be used and leveraged by different types of organizations of all different sizes. Uh, We spend a lot of time talking about the large organizations. We love to think about those, but we also must always remember that engine of our economies, the smaller organizations. We want to get into talking about those a little bit and how the technology is there to support all of them, regardless of size. So, That's the main thrust of what we're on today. And before we get into that, I just want to quickly remind you that we run this podcast normally every two weeks. And uh, we do a mix on here of technology discussion, but also the people behind the technology uh, here at Cisco Meraki, but also those out there, some of you, of course, who are helping to bring that technology to customers. So whether that's creating interesting new technology solutions that stand on top of the Meraki platform, or it's, you know, reselling our products and helping people to implement them. We're so grateful to all of you and we love to tell your stories. So if you would like to get those stories up on the podcast, if you'd like to be a guest on here or just submit some ideas, definitely do encourage you to reach out to me. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. I'm not sure if it'll still be operating Twitter by the time this goes out, but hey, let's see what happens. Um, Twitter, I'm still on there for now, at Meraki Simon. Uh, If that doesn't work, hey, hit me up on email, simon at meraki.com. That still works as well. Uh, So just let me know uh, what you think of the show and and what you'd like us to cover on the podcast. Okay, so time to introduce our guests for this week. And first of all, I'm going to welcome back to the podcast, uh, Mr. Grant Shirk, who was here on a recent episode. What was that all about, Grant? We were we were getting a little sassy. We were talking about the convergence right. of networking and security. But I don't think I realized on that one that I was talking to a true, like, original Meraki. You still have a first name at email address. I that feel- is a, that's an achievement. <laughs> Yeah, I feel quite lucky to bag that one. I think there are a few people at Cisco who've managed to do that as well. Um, not even just the CEO. So that, that feels like quite something. But uh, I have not had that success with at Cisco.com, let me say. But um, welcome back, Grant. Great to have you back with us again. And remind us what you do for uh, at Cisco Meraki. I am the head of product marketing. Fantastic. And a debut guest we're welcoming today uh, is Mr. Nick Barnes. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on here. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon. This is probably getting towards the very last thing that we're going to do this week. So we're going to relax and let our hair down and enjoy this one. Um, Nick, tell us what you do at Cisco Meraki. So I am the marketing lead marketing lead for uh, Meraki SMB. Okay. And SMB, small to mid-sized business. How do you, how do you say that? Is that right? small, medium size, small, mid-size, you know, whatever, okay. whatever floats your boat. All right. Well, I think, I think we'll get into that in a minute. I, I, um, I, I know that uh, this episode's going out like two days after Halloween celebrations, obviously a very big deal here in uh, North America. And of course the U S has been very successful in exporting that around the world. So I'm sure many of you have, uh, have been dragged into some kind of Halloween celebrations in the last couple of days. Uh, maybe you've got some candy lying around, but, um, as a, as an icebreaker, um, Nick, I'll start with you. What is your favorite Halloween candy? Definitely not icebreakers. I don't know if you guys remember icebreakers. The, the <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Touche. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Now, we're not really big on Halloween. You know, we don't do Halloween in the Barnes household, but we definitely do candy in the Barnes household. And so, you know, whether it's Airheads, Nerds, Now and Laters, Blow Pops, Snickers, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all... I, I just, just one thing for this podcast is I, I will have no candy corn slander on this podcast. Ooh. It's delicious. I don't care what anybody says. Listen, it's it's good. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm all about except for Mars bars. I don't do Mars bars. Everything else, we're good to go. It's funny because uh, I've I've been living over here in the U.S. for about eight and a half years now, and I'm still learning these all these candies and and candy corn. I had to go look that up. I'd never heard of it. It's not a, just not a thing back in England. So, um, Grant, and, and that is a tragedy. Because I will say, like Nick, I was scared for a second there. I thought you were going to go in hard on a candy corn. No, like. Candy corn is the quintessential Halloween candy. Not only is it fantastic, and I will say there is a there's a secret Slack channel in Meraki for people who love candy corn. You can find it. We accept all. There's a few doubters in there, but we're working on it. But come on in, join the fold. But I think it's so great because it really hits on a lot of like truly American things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's something you could eat in excess. It's fantastic. <laughs> you just make it almost entirely out of corn and corn byproducts. Wait, is it corn syrup? Solid. A little bit on But it's like fake honey. It's great. And it's so completely manufactured. So it's mm. like everything that is both right and wrong about American food. Like, there's probably a podcast on it somewhere. But it's, yes, candy corn is my answer to this question, if you couldn't tell. Um, if anybody out there would like us to do a more uh, more of a deep dive on, uh, on candy corn, um, you know, we're always happy. The, let's be honest, we, we, we like to cover a broad range of topics on the podcast. So, you know, get your votes in, um, use, that, use that communication tool and let me know. Uh, I, I can't really feel like I can join this conversation. I, I'll try and find some next week. Um, for me, I mean, back in, back in my day, it was like Quality Street, things like that, <laughs> which uh, I, I, is, a, is an old favorite. Um, strawberry creams, anybody out there who knows those, you, you know what I'm talking about. All right, let's get into the actual reason why we're here today, and that is to talk about you know how the technology can apply to organizations of of all different sizes. Um, I guess before we get too far into that, I mean, when we think about um, these different business sizes and how do we think about those from the respective roles that each of you have? You know, you, you both do you know, different things for Meraki, but you know, how do you think about these the different parts of the business? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, where we overlap is on the products themselves, right? You think about product marketing, you think about go to market with like marketing lead for whether you're small business, medium, large, it ultimately lands in how the given technologies, innovations that we create and bring to market help our customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what, what differs sometimes is like, what are the priorities around their problems, right? Because businesses, we generate problems. And so which ones we're focused on, how we're attacking them, what resources we have to put at them, depending on the stage, is the interesting part of the conversation. I think where we tend to split, you know, me and my team, we tend to be focused more on what you would consider or what, you know, the uh, investment analysts would consider the traditional enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. Organizations with, you know, 500, 1,000, 5,000, 50,000 employees and probably have dedicated networking and security teams. And so they have specialization. They have large scale and probably multi-site problems to solve. Uh, And I think it's how you 
it's the interesting thing for me how I got into enterprise software and networking in the first place is what are the problems these businesses have and how you get to solve them. So we're we're focused on the the large and the scale, uh, mm-hmm. but in many ways we learn a ton from what where Meraki had come from in the past, but also the the kinds of teams that Nick specializes in over time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one of the things with the the portfolio as well is that we we definitely found in the early days of our existence that we were predominantly hitting these sort of smaller organizations and made sense uh, for them and sort of helped to get them on board by simplifying the technology that we'd uh, that, that had been common in this industry uh, up to that point. And then as things have gone on, we have we've found that uh, obviously larger organizations have smaller branches and they have you know in many cases thousands and thousands that they want to replicate so the simplicity message works just as well there as well um nick how do you tend to think about it how do you sort of define uh, a smaller organization and 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 think about it in in terms of the meraki portfolio no i think it's a and i think grant's perspective is, is is spot on as as it gets to more of the kind of the technical or the numbers game um, I think I get, that gets a bit messy, right? Some folks are 500 below employees. Some folks are 999 below. Uh, but one thing for sure is if you have 90 employees, you don't have the same issues or concerns as a 999 employee organization, right? So, you know, I think they're, they're, each, each, business, each business is different um, and each size of the business is different. But uh, as it pertains to what really um, drives me from a marketing perspective is understanding not only their, their issues that they have day to day, but how they work on solving those issues, right? Uh, so if you think about somebody with a small organization, they have one or two IT folks within the organization right. versus a bigger a bigger kind of enterprise with an entire team, just the emotions around identifying a right solution and what that means, right? When you have a smaller branch, when you have two or three branches um, and, and having that network go down, right? And you being the one person, right? <laughs> that, that's, mm-hmm. that, that level of, uh, of responsibilities is a little different. Uh, and so how they research, the how hands-on, how research-driven they are in terms of finding a solution, uh, how long they need to, to find, it uh, takes us to find a solution. Uh, and so just small insights and in, in the nuances, I think, are really actually drive to much var- a variance in, in what they so- decide on and, and for the end solution. And so, yeah, and so as I said, I think there are definitions in terms of employee size, how much they spend, so on and so forth. But Overall, I think the the real nuance is the mentality, the day to day, what their 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 carebouts are, mm-hmm. um, and how they come to the solutions that they come to. I think that's really where uh, we can really ju- understand more about them and and serve them much better. Yeah, I, it's certainly the thing which which really stands out for me uh, that, that I'm reminded of that is a term that I've heard many times before and still do is uh, that, that you got to wear many hats. If you're in a smaller organization, you're wearing more hats. That's just the way it is. And that was even the case for us here at Meraki. I mean, when I joined the, the company, we were less than 200 people completely globally. And uh, we had to wear a lot of hats. And certainly the folks who worked in IT here uh, had to wear a lot of hats as well and, and be experts in, across multiple fields as far as they were able to be. Uh, so I, I think that's that's definitely a feature that I recognize. And then as you, of course, as you grow, you get to get that specialization uh, coming in as well. So, um, I mean, Grant, how do you think about the, the sort of growth experience? And, and as you sort of transition from maybe a smaller organization and you, and you start growing, what do, you, what do you typically see with our customers as far as the, the, the sort of dynamic with, with IT? Well, I, the hats thing is an interesting metaphor. I know we say it a lot. It's a bit of an idiom, but there's, 
there's almost a pendulum swing that I see happen as you grow through multiple stages of an organization. And it, there are these pendulums between specialization back to generalization mm. and, and you're swinging back through. So when you get to that point where you've hired, you know, when you're small, right. And I come from a long line of, of startups, we didn't have an IT person right. at all. Yep. Right. And so your problems are not, how do I optimize the network? How do I make wireless work a little bit better? It's like, does it work? Because I got customers. Right. Yes. And so someone is constantly hat switching. Yep. And then at some point you find someone who's going to hold the IT hat for a little while. And it's a bigger hat. It's got some more features. Uh, and it means you have to spend quite a bit of time getting used to it. But eventually, then you're going to inherit more responsibility. Like mm-hmm. you know, Nick was saying, I'm like, okay, I've got two sites now. Which am I? Am I campus hat or am I branch hat? How am I working back between these two things, an IT person? And then all of a sudden, you know, you get big enough, a couple hundred employees, maybe a few million dollars in revenue here, there, otherwise. All of a sudden, the security and compliance people keep knocking. Like, hey, who's mm, wearing that? Right. Yep. <laughs> and Same it's kind time. of like an oh, shoot moment. We're sort of like stacking these up. Um, and so it does. It swings back and forth. And at a certain point, the problems that you're trying to solve are more determinant of the hat that you're wearing. Right. And the the underlying thing. And I think that's something that we try to keep keep in mind is if we can help you solve the problem, then we're doing things right. Right. If we are just talking to you about switches or segmentation, like that's you probably don't care that much. Mm-hmm. If you do, you've got a lot of extra time on your hands. But I was like, okay, I've got an auditor. I really need to get this report to. Help me answer that question. I've got new requirements as I enter this new market or I reach this new stage as a financial services institution. How do I do that? Right? Like those are, that's where we see that swing back and forth and how people's roles will change. Right. At the time. It keeps things interesting, but it definitely makes things complicated along the way. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, not to push a hard sell here, but I think that's why we're at Meraki, it's, we, we have that ability to really grow and help and help organizations grow, right? And so, you know, I used to be in startups too, where it's, who's the most technical person here? All right, mm-hmm. you, you, you manage, you go ahead and figure out how to get this, this Wi-Fi up, right? Um, and going from there to, to a much more sophisticated, um, multi-branch, multi-site kind of situation, uh, you, you have to have uh, um, an ability and you should have a partner within that to be able to, to, to do that most effectively, most efficiently, um, to be able to, to ma- manage an experience and keep that experience consistent throughout that growth. Right. And I think um, having the right solution is key there. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that's what I said. Meraki, I think, makes kind of plugs that hole uh, very well. And I think that's why we've seen the success we've seen. And then if I, if I can jump in, Simon, before you're next, you brought up a really interesting point talking about the, the, the branch, mm. right? Particularly yeah. when you look at financial services and retail, as you get to a certain level of scale, each of those individual sites is operating like an independent small business. Yep. Yes, they are probably reporting their point of sale information up or their general ledger up to a bigger org that has to fold it in. But at the end of the day, there's a site manager, a general manager, office manager who walks in every day are the lights on? Do we have network? Can I connect to my core systems? Are my employees successful? Oh no, I've got a staffing challenge. What do I do? Right. And so even at the largest organizations, mm-hmm. you know, a global coffee shop, uh, an international bank, it is a business built of 
hundreds, if not thousands of these small organizations. And that is the only way you can scale. And so like, being able to, like, the challenge, like how do I operate infrastructure network when I really have a large number of independent entities mm-hmm. that I still need to manage. And I think that's where great organizations learn on those two cycles, right? How do I scale and do bigger? How do I solve bigger problems? How do I operate at a local level? How do I operate and learn small, but then leverage right. what I get from the big? And, and then whether that's business or security or networking, I think there, it's a common cycle that you see repeated. As you scale on the IT side, there are always some key things that matter. I mean, I think in some ways, it, it's not 100%, but every small organization, everyone, every small wants to grow, wants to find that next level of scale. Uh, at the same time, every large organization wants to find ways to operate more in a more innovative way, more mm-hmm. autonomously, so mm-hmm. they can go go faster. There, there's a constant interplay between those two forces. On the IT side, that means that you are always faced with a few things. One, how do I do more with what I have on hand? And how can I stretch my investment? How can I bore out the cylinders on this thing and get a little <laughs> bit more horsepower mm-hmm. in the interim before I have to go and make a, you know, I'm managing capital versus OPEX no matter what. That is true. Uh, how do I find better ways to engage my customers, engage more of my customers, bring them in? And then how do I make sure that all of my employees would like to stick around for a while? Right? That, that, that idea, I think there was a fascinating interview I saw the other day. Uh, uh, Chuck, our CEO, was on CNBC, I think. I'll be able to fact check me on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was talking about like what is enabling or preventing people from coming back to the office is this big real estate scramble in the world. And he had this really great, I mean, it was a great line. It's like, Oh yeah. It's like we have to figure out how to make hybrid work a magnet, not a mandate. Oh, nice. I know. Like pay the copywriters on that one, but no, I think it's like, it's really, really true. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we make it desirable for people to come? work, collaborate, give feedback, do more for the business mm-hmm. versus force it. And that responsibility falls on IT, whether you are 100 people or 100,000 people. And then, and right. It. IT has to be able to underpin it, right? If we're, gonna, if we're going to make it a magnet, it's got to be something that, that enables people to work with zero friction or as close to that as we can get it uh, so that they, they're able to feel productive wherever they're working. I mean, Nick, do you hear the same sort of thing from the the smaller organizations that you you talk to? For sure, for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, hybrid work is a topic right now, and, and it has been uh, because it needs to be. And uh, and the reason I say it needs to be is because realistically, there, you know, it's it's important for an IT lead or an IT responsible person within the org, because we just talked about folks with multiple hats, uh, to be able to ensure a similar um, or same experience you know in this new normal that we're that we're living in right and i think a lot of times that we we make the mistakes of either of either taking the employee side or the employer side meaning on the employer side it's like of course i want everybody to come in back to the office mm-hmm. and and work right right on the employee side it's like well no that's things things are different right uh, and <laughs> especially for you know if you want to hire good people the, the expectation 
of having that remote and kind of a, a new setup uh, is, is there. So I think given that responsibility and that complexity, uh, yeah, it just makes that, of course, the IT person's hard, job that much harder. But with the right tools, of course, uh, it, it actually makes it you know, simpler, realistically, um, uh, being able to, to manage through collaboration, through VPN, through all these different tools and technologies that um, that we have and that are available, especially through the crowd, through the cloud. So on the smaller business side, um, you know, we talk about cloud migration. It's like it's it's I mean, they're there. Right? I mean, it, it is just the, the way of life at this point. Um, and I think that's one of the things that um, uh, you see the smaller businesses being able to really adopt um, and adapt faster. Uh, and to kind of lead the way in that realm. Actually, that's a really interesting point there, Nick. Do you do you feel like um, just because it's so easy now to start up a business or an organization uh, leveraging cloud technologies? I mean, the most obvious one that comes to mind, I'm sure, for many people, would be something like Google and workspaces and 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 uh, all of that and Gmail and so on. I'm guessing really that they're therefore the concept of leveraging cloud technology and not having to have it all on premises must make a must make a difference yeah well you said easy which i'm sure they nobody's going to agree with uh if you're doing you're starting a business <laughs> but, but i think the point is though it makes the technology side of it much easier right, right? And i think um whether it's you know you are a startup and you are on google documents um, or google workspace um, or, you know, you're using WebEx or you're using, you know, th- these are just like uh, the kind of like the, the blood that flows through through your organization to make it go. Um, and so the, the idea of cloud is just a, and also there's the idea of just like managing budgets, right? And, and not paying more for what you don't need and, and, and just, and so paying as you go kind of vibe. So I think that, uh, that that's just a core kind of component to a smaller business because, you know, they're looking at those numbers and they're looking at how to make um, uh, that, that kind of that, that, that run rate extend right and so it's mm-hmm. i think it's just part it's part of the day-to-day the question is how do we optimize or how do they optimize uh find the best solutions that are cloud-based um and then create a work environment that re- regardless of where you are in your workspace um it's, it's the same and it feels the same and it feels productive and it feels collaborative and so mm-hmm. so i guess then the interesting question is how do you retain that as you start to grow how do you retain that uh continuity of of um you know, easy, low friction uh, workspaces and 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 the hybrid work component that we were talking about there uh, as you start to grow. And it's easy to imagine, and, and I'd love to test this actually, it's just, it's just pure hypothesis in my head, is I have to imagine that in, in, there's a lot of smaller organizations who are actually more switched on to this and, and more kind of just able to uh, conceptualize the, the use of the cloud for all kinds of different aspects of their business than some of the larger, more established operators who maybe have some legacy IT systems. They maybe got some old processes that they're trying to, you know, work through and, and update. Uh, is that a reality? Am I, am I guessing about right there, Grant? I, I think that is a large part of the reality. It's, I think it's not a lack of desire to move to more flexible operating models. The cloud operating model writ large has been shown time and time again to be more agile, more resilient, more flexible, uh, and in many ways fueling more innovation. However, uh, for many organizations, they have years, if not decades of investment in infrastructure, sure. in yep. process, in audit, compliant, very important critical things that protects them, protects customers, protects people. Mm-hmm. and pulling new technology or new approaches through that needs to be a deliberate change. What 
I think, you know, in some ways, large enterprise is learning from smaller organizations to see what's working, what's working at what scale, how do I prioritize this? When you've connected point A to point B, how did you do it? How can we learn from those and then incorporate into that scale? Maybe you, we see this a lot across our networks, test it in a branch, test it in a subdivision, uh, see how it works, then roll it back up through. So again, learn and test small, scale big. But then the flip side of that, and I think Nick, you were talking about this on the, the hybrid work transition or really the remote work panic from a couple of years ago. The companies who were in the best position to do that effectively were the large companies. Hmm. Yes, they had lots of process. Yes, it was a completely foreign thing, but they had the resources to drop infrastructure in people's homes. They had the infrastructure to support a massive network load for more video, more audio, more connectivity. And from that, and from our side, the way we used that is we were able to say, hey, Look at what our biggest customers were doing, mm-hmm. whether it was with the Z3 or better WAN insights on the network and say, okay, they were able to do that. How can we, and we're waiting for the magic S word from Meraki, how can we simplify this mm-hmm. to make it more accessible to more people? How can we learn from the successes of the bigs and then apply that to everyone? That's what I love about our cloud platform or approach is because we do bridge these worlds. Right. And so we can take the innovation and the crazy new ideas and the fun, get it going at the, on the small end of things, get it going with the businesses who are, who are going to prioritize that or can prioritize it, mm-hmm. figure out how to scale it, institutionalize it, carry it up. And then whether it's teleworker or I think Nick, you and I were talking about MDM device management, UEM earlier, how do we take that, oh, wait, I've got four mobile devices per person and it's just chaos. How do I s- distill that and simplify it so companies can start with a better security posture for devices and data? And it's this great, I mean, it's kind of like the closed loop writ large. Have you, have you talked about the closed loop model on your podcast before? We must have 90 episodes in, right? I, it may be back there somewhere. Nothing's coming to mind, but uh, it makes perfect sense. I mean, certainly that concept. It, it rings true for sure. Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting aspects of what we're talking about here is is the way in which, uh, if you like, uh, at the, the risk of oversimplification, small can learn from large, large can learn from small, right? And that's something that uh, we we definitely see from both sides. So we're, since we're talking to customers at all different levels, uh, and and of course we're we're selling them essentially the same technology. Uh, right across the board, but it's how they implement them, how it fits with the stage that they're at as a as an organization. I mean, Nick, do you do you see any other kind of dynamics here that that help to explain uh, for, as you think about it? Right, the 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 learnings of large from small and small from large. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I think it's you know, Grant put it very well. Um, it is it is a cycle, right? Of of you know, as as you're smaller. You have budgets, you have, but you also have flexibility. You have 
much smaller sales cycle, right? You can't, you're not thinking about, you know, getting, you know, product for six months from now, right? You're thinking about what you need uh, in the next, in the next week or so to right. stand up your organization, to stand up your business, to figure out an office, the office situation. And so um, I think that flexibility um, and that urgency drives a level of, um, what's the right word here? It, of understanding and research and, and like, and, and being able to, to fully grasp what you fully, what you need for your organization in the immediacy. Uh, and I think that urgency though is not sh- shared on, to a certain extent on the bigger organizations um, leads to decisions and leads to, to small organizations testing uh, technologies and testing new structures uh, that inevitably uh, larger organizations will, will adopt once they see it working or see it not working. Right. And so um there also is, though, some, you know, I think an advantage to being small where uh, whether it is different brands or different types of technologies, uh, teleconferencing, for example, uh, being able to swap in and out like, OK, that doesn't work. You know, I was on I'm not going to say any names. Right. I was on this. It didn't work. So I switched to WebEx. Right. I was on this. other, And so um, I think there's an advantage to that, being able to test. Uh, and being able to try things and, and, and find out what's, you know, what works for your organization. But as Grant alluded to, you know, big organizations can kind of sit back and say, OK, that that looks good that, or that works. So let's now adopt it. So I think, as I said, it's, it's, it's a needed thing. Um, you know, a small a, 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 a small catamaran can, can turn pretty quickly. But, you know, a big ship, it takes a long time to, to, to move to change directions. And so I think there are pros and cons to each approach. But. Uh, as I said, having the right platform that that's flexible flexible enough to manage both um, is is invaluable. Yes, and, and also give the opportunity to experiment as well. And I, I think that was an interesting one that you touched on there. I'm picturing that sort of really small organization, you know, the ones that are just getting started, kind of barely out of mom and pop stage, if you like, is is that you're gonna the kind of character that you can imagine this sort of stereotype IT guy. Um, this is this is somebody who uh, has the latitude to be able to go and try different things and to try and find a solution that's going to work well and may also be uh, able to look at some new and more innovative ways of doing things. So a classic case that's coming to mind for me is around the APIs that we introduced um, a few years ago and, and now it's obviously fully integral with what we do. But at one time, that was a completely new concept for network engineers, right? The, that is just not how you build networks. You you have all these protocols and you just click on the screen and or you type it in a command line to make your network happen. But suddenly this world of APIs opens up imagination to all kinds of different solutions. And of course, that's one we love to touch on in the podcast is the sort of tech partner world. Maybe there's a solution that can help a small business that can be, you know, that can sit on top of the Meraki platform. So that, that for me feels like a very exciting aspect of, of just having that flexibility and freedom before those processes get too sort of locked in and, uh, and uh, you know, it's, uh, to grant to your point around compliance. I mean, it's, it's inevitable at some point, right? But, but getting the balance right is essential. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know. I, I, I have a bit of a, I hate to say contrarian, because anytime you say I'm throwing a contrarian opinion on this, like you just sound like everybody else. The catch twenty two of working in tech. I, I almost did a Python there and said, "Oh no, you're not." <laughs> keep going, keep going. Um, you should have, but then you <laughs> did, which was great. So there is that, and I think some of that is the myth of the startup, the myth of the small business, is that I can experiment my way through this, or I have all of this flexibility. Mm-hmm. I, in my experience, I've actually found it to be a little bit of the other way around, and I will bring this back to to where you were going. But when you're small. 
if there is one of you, again, how much time do you have in all of your hat changing right. to put on the experiment hat? You, you, don't have a da- you don't have a dabbling hat that you have a ton of time with. If you do, it's great. <laughs> but then you have to wear that hat with like the sunglasses of risk, right? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to abuse this. Because like if you make, if you're small and you make a major miscalculation, that can have an outsized impact. Versus if you are one person, a leader on a team uh, who's dedicated to infrastructure, to growth, as you will get when you scale up a little bit more, you can carve out those projects. Mm-hmm. And they, they truly become 20% projects in the actual sense, not the Google sense, which is 120% projects, right? Yep. You, you have the time to think them through, find the impact and drive that. So there's a balance you do have to strike between those two. But... The API and the platform is an excellent example, in my opinion, of how that idea, that ideal, can play out at different sizes. Mm-hmm. Because on Meraki, it's not just the APIs. It's like, yes, there are a ton of incredibly intelligent customers and people who are out there building amazing things, raw, off the API, building integrations. But there's also these 200 rebuild applications like Salesforce CRM style, or if I am a small business, I want to go faster. I now have a vetted custom or semi-custom app. I can just drop in and go. And so it, it, it does, it, it, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a balance between those two, but when you have this platform, it's like, Hey, we've vetted the, you know, the service now or the every angle integration across 400 different installations. It's going to work. Right, small business. Now you can take this crazy idea and run with it. Right, I love that. Without, without having to devote all that time. Really, I mean, what's coming out of the conversation? Because you say you say to take a contrary position, but really, what you're doing is enforcing, I think, the the main thrust of what we're saying here, which is that there's a remarkable amount of similarity. Right, as you as you look right, right across from small to large, that there are there are dynamics and and elements that really apply. In both directions, just in just just in applied in different ways. Um, I also want to say that I've never heard sunglasses of risk before. I love that. Uh, it might be my my term of the week. Um, does that come maybe, from somewhere? Maybe it'll be the, uh, maybe it'll be the next uh, giveaway at the customer advisory board. We can do the uh, the sunglasses of risk. There we go. That's not a bad idea. Let's see if we can get some swag <laughs> made. Up. So I actually wanted to chime into. I, I fully agree. I think. Um, Kind of piggybacking off what Grant said, I think there's an intentionality uh, alluding back to the small versus large business and the experimentation. Because mm-hmm. experimentation gives an impression of intentionally experimenting versus I'm small. We tried X, X didn't work, go to Y, right? And so, and I, but I think the large organizations can plan for that. Small organizations just like, this is Tuesday. We, get, we This doesn't work anymore. Right. Wednesday, we need something else. Uh, and so, but that flexibility, I think, is, is, is the core message here. And I think having the, a platform uh, and products that allow that, I think, is, is the, the, the key takeaway. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think we've done a really nice job here of, of making this point. And, uh, and really, the, so we have a portfolio, obviously, that scales up and down and, and uh, really, I think, is, has a fit for for everybody, regardless of the stage they're at, the size they're at. Um, but I think one of the interesting themes that we we called out definitely in that, which is a common experience we're all going through right now as we try to establish new working norms, is this this hybrid world 
concept. It really, really seems to work uh, work well for me. So I know we've been putting a lot of work into trying to support our customers and partners uh, with that, that adaptation process that's going on at the moment and what kind of uh, resources can people access to, to learn more on that? I think you know, there's a few, certainly the Meraki Hybrid Work page is a, is a great place to start because I think no matter where you're at in that journey, from small to large, from large, trying to act small again, mm-hmm. there are some great ideas that you can pick up that have been learned from people like you, people not like you. And it's a great way to see how are other people solving this problem and what deliberate experimentation might I want to, might I want to try. Mm. Okay, well, I, I want to thank you both uh, very much for joining us on this one. I think it's been an interesting conversation. I feel like it's one where we, frankly, we could go on for quite a long time just because, I mean, we've taken on a big topic here, right? How do you scale Meraki to every size of organization out there? Really appreciate both of your time uh, on the podcast today. So um, thanks very much. And it's weekend time. Time to go and enjoy that. Uh, have you got your Halloween costumes ready? Largely. Santa, we, there's still uh, time there's still time yeah, so i have mine on right now <laughs> right nice well i hope you both find the uh, the candy that you were alluding to earlier on uh, i think that feels important um and uh, and also obviously to all of you who are listening so um and and to you thank you very much for joining us on the podcast once again we'll be back in a couple of weeks and we've got a an interview with somebody super important to us uh, in our in our organization i'll uh, leave that a secret for now so that you definitely tune in. If you're not already a subscriber, you know what to do. Go to your favorite podcast app, look for the subscribe button, and uh, then you'll get, of course, this showing up right as soon as it gets published every other Wednesday. Uh, And with that, from the three of us, we're going to wish you a great rest of your day, and we will speak to you again very soon on Meraki Unboxed. Bye for now. 